Hi, welcome to the Allcast, where passion meets purpose and all topics are fair game. I'm Andrew Powell. The first five minutes of the following podcast are my guest and I dropping into a musical space together. So if you don't feel like listening to music, skip about five minutes ahead and uh, should be done or close to done. Today's guest is a medicine woman and a shamanic healing practitioner who does body work, sound attunements, energy clearings, and ceremonies of various kinds. Please clear some space and tune in for my conversation today with Sylvia Sa, creator of Sacred Soul Medicine. Thank you. 
coming i appreciate it and really enjoyed our musical drop-in yes that was wonderful is there a bit of a delay in there okay we can yeah. kill it it'll probably be a, a lot more normal not listening to the echo of your own voice <laughs> okay yeah on top of mine. <laughs> um so uh you have uh, a lot of tools in your tool bag from my perspective and one of those tools is the uh, shamanic practice of lomi lomi massage mm -hmm. and i have been fortunate enough to experience i believe three uh sessions with you through that work and it was pretty powerful mm -hmm. the uh you bring in some of the medicine bowls and tuning forks and um move some energy pretty pretty clearly so what brought you to that form of massage um, or body yeah. work yeah it's really interesting actually because what I do is I incorporate a lot of different modalities so the Lomi Lomi um, is something that I learned when I first attended a conference on Hawaiian spirituality on Oahu and um, I met with these amazing elders, um, kupunas as they're referred to there, who really live this medicine and this work, you know, and they teach so many things just in terms of like how the breath, how to work with the breath. It's very shamanic, you know, you're working with spirit, you're working with energy. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was hooked. The first time I learned it and experienced it, I was like, wow, I feel so called to this. And eventually it's what led me to even move to Hawaii and really start learning it and then um, practicing it. So um, what I offer now is like a combination of things between that and often I'll bring in some sound therapy, which like you experienced and um, just the regular shamanic healing work as well. So yeah, it's usually mixed. Beautiful. So moving to Hawaii, the whole purpose of doing that was to learn this massage? To learn and absorb the aloha and the healing and the spirituality of the islands. I've always had a, a connection to that place and yeah, so 
Right on. Yeah. Right on. And where are you originally from? So I was born in Brazil, and oh. then I grew up on the East Coast, uh, moved to California after school, and then I moved to Hawaii. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. How long were you in Hawaii? Um, total was about eight years. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I've never been there. Yeah. Obviously, it looks... It's Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's paradise. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's truly a vortex. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. The massage work that you do is its own practice, or do you incorporate other things into it? Um, you know, it really depends on the needs and okay. preferences of the client. Yeah. So if somebody really just wants to receive body work, I can do that for like two hours, easy, yeah. you know. And I also love bringing in heated volcanic stones to work with that. And, you know, that's an ancient practice throughout many Native cultures to heal with the stones. Um, so there's just that if they, people just want to focus on that. But then if they want, you know, other elements brought in like sound and, and just shamanic you know, work, then mm-hmm. you can do that as well. And just even just straight energy work like Reiki is something that I also offer. Mm-hmm. So what I find though often it's just, it usually ends up being a combination of a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. And do you include uh, plant medicines with, with that work as well? Um, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Right on. Mm-hmm. What, what plant medicines uh, do you work with? Because you, uh, you are a medicine woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And obviously that's not just restricted to plants, that's body work, that's breathing, it's the uh, sound, all of it mm-hmm. is is part of medicine practice and different different channels of that. Um, so when it comes to the plants, I remember you telling me once upon a time that you uh, work with plants like on a daily basis, like you do not gardening, but some sort of you're a caretaker of... Oh yeah, I was doing that for a while. Now I've transitioned actually just into doing the healing work full time. Oh, in a sense, so good job. Awesome. yeah. But either way, it's all involving plants. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I work with a variety. Um, so, you know, I've I've traveled to Peru um, a number of times and worked with um, the Shipibos out there, and that's really my path. You know, so. I'm 100% an ayahuasca girl, like all the way. Nice. Yeah, okay. I've worked with many other plant medicines, um, such as Wachuma, mm-hmm. San Pedro. Yeah. Of course, mushrooms, um, very beautiful. I think they're those are great for microdosing, mm-hmm. um, and so many benefits. Um, and um, you know, and plant medicine includes all kinds of things like herbs, you know, I mean, yeah. moringa, right? Yeah, like superfoods. I love moringa. I've got a moringa tree that yeah. is. Um, it's very young, but mm-hmm. it started. It's in a planter. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna plant it in the front yard yeah. before too long. I got, yeah, I got this this pouch of uh, ground up moringa powder that mm-hmm. I add to my smoothies, and that's same just, here. Whoosh, yeah, awesome. I mean, it's incredibly nutritious. Um, mm-hmm. Even the the seed pods, the seeds themselves, actually purify water. No way. Yeah. So I mean, and and they grow anywhere in the world. They're so resilient, and it's I I really think that I mean, and it's been shown that that could actually be the answer to world hunger. Moringa. If, if everyone planted moringa trees, mm-hmm. it could feed the world. You know, I mean, and there is enough food, of course, on the planet to go around for everyone, but it's just the distribution yeah. issues, right, that prevent yeah. that. But really, it, it is the solution to world hunger, like on so many levels. That is one I have not heard. That yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Um, you said it can grow in any climate. Any climate, any, climate. any region, yeah. Because I think of Antarctica when you say any climate. <laughs> well, I'm not okay. sure about okay. that. Maybe, okay. I don't know. It might need some soil, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah most yeah. places in the world yeah, it will yeah. grow. Yeah. 
Right on. Mm-hmm. Purifying water. The seeds, the pod. The seeds, The yeah. seeds can mm-hmm. purify water. Yes. And, okay, you know, so it doesn't take much. You just put the pods in water and it will filter it. And they're pods, like like bean pods you would see growing on a tree? Um, yeah, they grow individually, like in a little pod. You peel the pod and then... And I there's mean, one can, seed in there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and you can eat the seeds and they're highly nutritious as well. Right on. Every part of the tree has medicine. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, that is part of plant medicine, turmeric, you know, all those amazing healing herbs and yeah turmeric's incredible Mm -hmm. um hmm. so of all the plants that you've worked with as far as the uh, you mentioned mushrooms and microdosing have you microdosed mushrooms in the past Mm -hmm. i have what was that like for you or how what was your regimen i guess and and how did it yeah well in terms of like dosing and all of that yeah yeah um i believe i was I was tr- testing things out in the beginning, so eventually what I found to work for myself was to take them every three to four days. Mm-hmm. You know, One, not, once not every three day. to four days? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really split it up, and um, finding that right dose for me was also, you know, that was an experiment because every mushroom you're working with also has different strength. So, you know, I would say it was probably something close to like 0.2 grams for each dose. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found it really beneficial for doing like inner child healing work. Mm. Very playful uh, medicine. Yeah, yeah. And, And, you know, it works on that part of the brain too, the default mode network, I think it's referred to, that kind of is usually what's overactive in most of us that are constantly in that like, self-analysis or over-analysis mode and makes us feel very self-conscious and yeah. like you know creates things like social anxiety and things like that so i found it to be really useful for that as well it's just very opening you know yeah so it addresses so it doesn't address but it like redirects the the neural pathways from the default mode network into you know new, something new and playful like new dis- yeah the yeah. ability to discover new things exactly kind of i guess from my understanding, it kind of settles that part of the brain so yeah. that we're not just on overdrive and that, you know, That's those awesome. thought loops about, like, Anything the drive is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I have not I have not heard it put that way before. Oh. I microdosed mushrooms once upon a time for uh, 40 days straight, uh, a little bit each day, and it was I, I didn't weigh any of it out. I kind of eyeballed it and based it off of um, how my body felt when I held a certain amount. Mm-hmm. And so I would eat that amount, and <clears throat> through that process, some incredible transformations happened for me. Nice. I quit smoking cigarettes. Wow. I could. I I had microdosed. I was on maybe like day six or something, and I was inhaling the smoke from a cigarette. And as I was inhaling, I could. I got this like vision of of all my pores getting like old and like constricted, all in this one inhale. Like I could see my face getting old from wow. that. And then that was a pretty quick like. All right ditch that stuff yeah the the other major powerful thing that happened for me during that 40 days of microdosing was that I would go grocery shopping and I would look at something on the shelf and just by looking at it I could feel in my body how that food would make me feel if I ingested it Mm. and so that was a really key thing like okay that hasn't gone away I look at foods and um, my body responds and I can hear my, I can f- sense it. Yeah. Like, okay, don't eat that. It's going to make you feel inflamed or it's going to, you know, bring down, bring in this like heavy mental space. Mm-hmm. So that has helped me navigate a lot. And I highly recommend microdosing mushrooms yeah. to, I guess, anybody who's got a, a calling or an interest to that. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I mean, and it, it just shows to, 
um, your example, like the power that these medicines have to get us in touch with ourselves, our bodies, and our intuition, you know, and the fact that you're still feeling that even though you're not microdosing anymore. I mean, that's the idea, right? It's not that we want to become reliant upon them, yeah. you know, to, to do those things. It's just they empower us and get us started yeah. in that process. Yeah, it's like it brings you to baseline and then you can work from there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, um, that example too with the smoking, something else I've actually heard from others as well. Oh, no kidding. them to break that habit, yeah. M- microdosing specifically or just mushrooms in general? Microdosing. Very, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's uh, there's some cool studies on it these days coming out more and more. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and also like helping people with their diet, really understanding like what foods are right and wrong for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so of the medicines of the plant plant medicine the psychoactive plant medicines types like that that you've used you said ayahuasca is kind of the one that drew you in the most i would say so yeah, yeah there's a very strong resonance and connection with that medicine yeah um, right on so well i my first experience with them was with um colombian shamans okay yeah and super powerful and I, that's different than shipibo tradition right totally different. totally different i mean every tradition different is so world. different yeah exactly like depending on where it's coming from and the culture it's rooted in you're going to have an entirely different experience mm. and the medicine itself too it's very different they refer to it as yahe and i'm pretty sure that there were other <laughs> components to that medicine because i've never experienced anything quite like that um like they prepare it differently um, I think there were things added to it because oh. traditionally, like very, you know, clean, I guess you could say the word clean, but just pure ayahuasca medicine only has those two ingredients of the ayahuasca vine itself and the chacrina leaf. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes people will add other things to it that can create different effects. Oh, wow. So you have to be very careful for that have, reason. Do you have one example of something they would add and the effect that it would produce? Um, well, one very dangerous one is toei. Totally, I've heard of this. Yeah, the Torah. What is that? What's is that a a tree or a vine or a root? Um, it is a tree, and it has like these bell-looking flowers. Okay. Yeah. Um, as very powerful medicine, you know, but it can take people into really strong, challenging places that they may not be ready for. More challenging than ayahuasca already presents. Oh yeah. Like, like, like working with darkness, Uh you know, again, it can be very healing. There's medicine in that, but, um, you need to have the right training and understanding for that. Like some people diet that medicine and that's the path for them. And that's great too. But just, you know, for the average person coming to do this work, stay away from the toa. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Wow. That's interesting. Thank you. It's a very clear example. Mm -hmm. Um, Right on. So how long have you worked with ayahuasca and in what capacity do you do you work with that medicine? Um, or have you worked in, in so the many. Past? Yeah, I mean, just it's been going on eight years now uh-huh. on, a, on a very consistent basis. It's really ever since I took that first dose, like it's just changed my life and it's become my life in many ways, mm-hmm. you know, um, just in terms of my own healing work with the plants, you know, and and. Uh, working through a lot of trauma and just, you know, um, unraveling a lot within my personal and ancestral and and the collective, of course, too, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, but also just in in terms of how it can be of service too, you know, for others. Um, that's that's been the journey and like learning learning how to be um somebody that can uh 
hold space for that is, yeah. is, is really, I feel very much my sole purpose. Right on. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So we opened this up with uh, some music and some uh, some vocals. You started singing and that actually inspired me to start singing, mm-hmm. which was great. I, I recall in the, uh, the one ayahuasca ceremony that I have sat in, I, I heard you sing. And that was a very, very powerful thing to hear. Um, singing in general, uh, when in altered states of consciousness, can be can be very powerful. Uh, but the singing that you brought forth was really like a voice, the singing voice that I have never heard before. And um, <laughs> through all the seasons of Air, or American Idol. <laughs> Um, nothing like that. It was a very powerful medicinal healing sound to be like, like washed by, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, thank you for for mm-hmm. singing and sharing your voice with people in that space. It's mm-hmm. it's a very powerful thing. Um, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's like the singing and the sounds are really what what transmit the healing. Um, you know, whether it be through sound instruments or the voice, that those vibrations and the intention behind it is really what helps to deliver that, you know, and, and the, you know, in ceremony, it's like really to become the vessel so the plants can sing through us mm-hmm. right? and so that medicine can come through. Um, it's it's such beautiful work. And for me, one of the greatest healings that I receive from the medicine too is just to find my voice, Yeah. you know, and, and have the... Um, understanding around um, just how to work with it and um, it's taught me so much about energy mm-hmm. like how energy works and and just you know carrying that on that carrier wave of sound you know and healing and how that's that comes through mm. mm-hmm. yeah, you mentioned finding your voice um, that is something that I experienced during a, a psychedelic experience one time I um, the active ingredient in ayahuasca TMT it's smokable and I used that once upon a time and went into this incredible altered state where um, I could visually I could see like these sharp colors that you would associate with like negativity like red and black these these sharp like shards of color were coming in from my peripheral space and I I realized like oh wow that's not good I don't want that and then they went away mm. and then I was like oh no what if they come back and then they came back a lot stronger that time <laughs> I was like what if I can't handle this and then my awareness kind of got dispersed like oh I guess like exploded would kind of be one way to say it but it was like I had these this tiny sliver of awareness I felt like I was laying on my side but I wasn't really, I couldn't sense my body at this time. Mm-hmm. I was laying on my side and I could see like, oh my goodness, my consciousness has exploded. How am I going to go collect all these pieces and put them back together and come back to the world? I don't know. And so I, in my overwhelm, I, apparently I had sighed. <sighs> and in, in my visual space, there was like, there was a cord in front of me and I saw that cord go, when I when I sighed and I was like oh my god that's my voice so I was looking at this cord and I was like that's how I can get out of here so I saw I, I went to the cord turned left and followed the cord until I was actually back in my body sitting upright going ah and I came out of this trip by saying myself out of this this 
place. Mm-hmm. It was one of the most incredible things, and it, it actually had a, a song that wow. that came from it. It goes, Todos de nosotros, nosotros estamos juntos por todo tiempo, por todo tiempo. And then wow. kind of added on to that a little bit later on. So that was a powerful experience where the sound shifted a lot mm-hmm. and then brought me back into this space to, to find myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, f- I feel ultimately that people's voices, you can tell a lot from somebody about the way that they speak or express through their voice. Because I notice in myself when I'm feeling timid or down, I have a smaller voice. Mm-hmm. And, and but, but when I'm relaxed and confident and know what my purpose is at that moment, my voice becomes full and vibrant and I feel, you know, 100% myself. Yes. So the voice is something else. Yeah. And I I love that example. So thank you for sharing that experience. It's really powerful. It just makes me think of like, you know, when you're watching those wave frequencies, right? And and we all have such a unique frequency that we carry, you know, that contributes to that collective, like, sound choir that, you know, song, the universal song. They say voices are like a fingerprint Mm -hmm. where no two are the same, even in the the wave pattern you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, it's interesting because I feel like my voice has changed too as I've done this work. Like I used to talk a lot higher, Mm -hmm. but my voice has dropped a lot as I've settled more into myself, Yeah, you know? And so that's always been interesting to notice just because I feel more embodied. And so in that process, like, my voice has changed. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And singing too, it's, it's constantly shifting depending on like what plants I've been working with and you know, it's really interesting. How do you notice the plants influencing, or I guess like what what plant, do you have an example of the, a plant that, that yeah, shaped um, your voice in a certain way? For sure. One specifically um, that I dieted in Peru is called Numa Numa. Numa Numa. <laughs> and just like the name, it's yeah. very playful oh, and man. just like lights you up. And uh, I dieted it in conjunction with another very powerful plant, um, which is the Tree of Light. But this Numa Numa plant is very known for strengthening the singing voice. Really? And when I came back from that whole experience, um, you know, to the U.S. and started singing more. It just, it was noticeable to myself and others. It was like, what just, what happened? Your, your voice changed. Like, something is really different about your singing, you know? So. What is Numa Numa as far as the, the plant goes? Is it a shrub? Yeah, it's like a tiny shrub with these delicate little leaves and, um, yeah. So when you diet this plant, that's all you consume is whatever you're dieting. No, I mean, you take some form of that like a tea usually okay um sometimes it's made from it depends on the plant but the bark or the leaf uh, roots um so you're taking that like they'll tell you how often to take it but you're eating a very restricted bland diet and whatever they have available there so they don't you know they they don't have access to the same things that we have here so you're just eating like you know maybe a i was eating like green plantains that were roasted you know Maybe some rice, mm-hmm. maybe a sweet potato. If you eat, you know, um, fish, they have these like um, toothless fish called boca chicos, and if they catch one of those, you might, you know, have some of that. But it's like no salt, no sugar, no spices, like nothing. Just, and mostly you're fasting, so yeah. you're really not eating a whole lot because the whole process. Um, is called Sama, which means fasting. And that's in what language? In Shipibo. Shipibo language, mm-hmm. which is that a derivative of Spanish, or is Spanish more a 
Is Spanish it, is its totally its own thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My teacher doesn't even like speaking Spanish because, like, her her language is Shipibo, you yeah. know, and so there's a colonial, as, uh, you know, colonialism aspect of that, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's its own language. Right yeah, on. It's a tribal language. So the Tree of Light is the other one you mentioned, mm-hmm. and what exactly does it have another name? Because I've heard that name, but I couldn't tell you anything about yeah, it. Yeah, it's called Noyarao in Shipibo, and Noyarao. Noyarao. Yeah, Rao means tree, um, and it is, it's really a path, you know, if you make that commitment to be on that path, it's also called El Camino de la Verdad, the path of truth, Yeah. and it is really, I mean, they say this about ayahuasca too, but it is like the mother of the mother of the mother of all plants, you know, and for according to the Shipibos and the carriers of this Plant, you know this lineage that I work in like if you diet that tree like you, you basically don't even need to diet other plants in a sense that's what they say yeah. but I mean there are benefits to dieting the other plants because it's kind of like when you do that those are the specialists you know okay. whereas like Noyarao could be considered like the generalist the that covers everything right. the umbrella you know okay. the so. primary care doctor exactly <laughs> right on exactly. okay yeah. so with something like the tree of light and then ayahuasca you you said, and then I've also heard previously that that they're like the the mother plant, the one that is kind of that. This is what the the Shipibo and the people in those regions described. That okay, the plants told us where to find these other plants mm-hmm. to make this type of medicine. Yeah. So, um, do those plants ever get used in conjunction with each other, the ayahuasca and the tree of light? Oh yeah. Well, when you're when you're dieting any plant, typically you will be doing some ceremonies during that time. And so really ayahuasca becomes like the bridge, as is whoever you're working with, the shaman. You know, they're the bridge to connect you to the spirit of that plant that you're dieting. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the work itself is very subtle. Oh, it can be very not subtle or (laughs) or it can be subtle when you're in out of ceremony you know because like a lot of your dreams will really start to blow up and like you'll process a lot and things will come through um but a lot of it's just kind of sitting by yourself in a tambo in the middle of the jungle with no contact with anyone but yourself you know how how long did you diet uh, either of these um, plants for then the first time i did noyarao was for two months and we were like pretty much doing ceremonies my teacher and i like every other day almost like sometimes it would have longer gaps, but it was it was a really intense time. That seems like a yeah. like a fast track. Yeah, and it was intended. And when I went there, it was supposed to be a ten day Shipibo diet. And you stayed the, for two months. It just it's like nope, you're staying right here. Awesome. Like, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I really dedicate like that to me is my path. Yeah. So nowadays, uh, I guess more recently, you work with Raven Medicine. Mm-hmm. How did that start for you? Yeah, well, you know, within shamanism, you're working with all sorts of spirit guides and allies. So I had been working with many different forms of animal spirits, power animals, um, prior to that. And um, I, you know, um, with the raven specifically, that was kind of a more recent thing this past year. Uh, First came into my life, like, towards the end of last year. But um, I found a raven. one day and uh you know kind of harvested the the different parts the wings and the tail for medicine well let's you you mentioned this a little bit more specifically a a little bit ago Mm -hmm. and so 
what happened was you were up on Navajo land. Yeah, I was up in Sholo. Working some people. Mm-hmm. Doing some healing work up in Sholo. And it was, uh, while I was up there, I was really connecting with the ravens. There's these great pine forests up there. Tons of ravens around. Yeah, yeah. And and just, like I've noticed all throughout Arizona. Uh, it's, the, it's yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's some ravens concentrated spots that there's tons of ravens. Yeah, in California as well. But um, so, yeah, I was just, you know, I there were a couple times where I was just sitting out there, you know, just hanging out with the trees and all that. And, you know, this this raven or a couple times just came and flew like right over my head, you know, just, and it was so loud and uh, just caught me off guard. And I was like, you know, it caught my attention very strongly. Because yeah, it, it wasn't diving towards you, it was coming from behind you. From behind, yeah. And it just swooshed like right over my head and like, my hair blew and like everything. I felt the That's wind. Amazing. It was just like, whoa. Um, so it felt like a major blessing and I just was like really paying attention to that afterwards and um, on the way home um, yeah I, I was driving and just you know spotted a couple pairs of ravens I was just following them like as I was you know riding home and had this thought you know it's like I wonder if one day I'll be blessed with a, a raven spirit or bird to work with and not even like two three minutes later i'm driving and on the other side of the road i see this black spot and i'm like no way no way <laughs> and i just did a huge u-turn there were no cars and there was just this fresh freshly fallen raven there and no like, indication I, of how it died or anything. no just... i mean I'm, i assume it must have been hit by a car i'm not sure how that works but um yeah you know it was fully intact and um I picked him up and just, you know, brought him home and went into a whole process and ceremony with it and, um, you know, kind of educated myself on, like, how to work with the parts and, you know, all of that. Yeah, and clean the bird and yeah, take it apart. And yeah, then... and how to, like, you know, like, make it so that the wings, like, stay intact, like, you know. Yeah, some straight-up taxidermy stuff. Yeah, yeah, right it was intense, parts of it. Yeah. But it, it was just, I, I felt so overwhelmed at times. It was very emotional for me, you know, and, like, it was just so beautiful. And I did a ceremony with the rest of the parts. I buried it in a special place and um, just, you know, bless the spirit to, to continue on its way. But now yeah. those medicine parts are with me, and I work with them a lot in ceremony. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned that um, as you were driving, you had a thought about something, and then boom, all of a sudden it occurred. Mm-hmm. In my <laughs> dealings with ravens, I guess you would say, in my experiences in the past with ravens, a lot of times my thoughts will be associated with the, them like flying or coming into the space. Like I'll, I'll be thinking of something, and then boom, raven comes through, and it's like some sort of a mental confirmation of that thing that I was thinking like yeah yeah go do that or or no don't do that and it's it's very strangely related to thought patterns Mm -hmm. I don't know what that is or why it is but it's magical it seems and it's it's totally magical totally magical and that is the medicine it's magic yes Mm -hmm. yes and they they show up for it um more often than not it seems when I when I intend intend for them to be a part of the day or a lot of times on the weekends I'll go drive up north go to the mountains or some water spot or something mm-hmm. and um, almost every time I have some sort of a ceremonious ceremonial adventure day out in nature it usually is like opened by like two ravens f- flying through or near me or not through me but through the space near me Feels like through yeah, yeah right <laughs> <laughs> they're like hey here you go. Go ahead. Have fun. Yeah. 
And then at the end of the day, it's like a, a outro, like a, like a conclusion. The Ravens come back through and they're like, all right, your day's, your day's done when it comes to being in that ceremonial nature space. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I find that really, really interesting and fascinating that yeah. they show up in a similar way each time. It almost sounds like they're opening and closing the sacred space. Yeah, that's, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) right. That's awesome. Yeah. So I know you have a deep connection. Like, how does that, how did that start for you? I do, I do. Um, That started for me, um, so when I was 14, my dad uh, took me to a canyon to go camping and have the dad-son talk. And, um... (laughs) And we didn't get along and, and ended up uh, getting rained out and leaving this, this canyon. It's a, there's some more cool stuff to that that I'll, I'll go into later. But eventually I found that spot again, and I went back to that spot. And I'd been inspired recently at that time to play the didgeridoo. And so I was like, oh, i got to take my didgeridoo to that spot because that would sound cool. The acoustics there are remarkable. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, I'm in this canyon. I'm hiking upstream. I have to cross the water. It's about chest deep to get to a side canyon that dead ends, that has a waterfall back there mm-hmm. parts of the year during the seasonal waterfall. And so I'm in the water, chest deep, didgeridoos over my head. I'm walking across and I hear people's voices back there. And I'm like, damn, I wanted to be here by myself to kind of like meditate and be in the music and stuff. And I'm like, oh, whatever, I'll make it work. So I get up onto the onto the shore and I, I shake off and dry off a little bit and start making my way back there. And then I round the bend to where there's the dead end and there's no people back there. There was a raven standing in the middle of the circle. And I was like, what? Mm. And it, it looked at me and then jumped up and flew to a perch on the cliff wall where there was another raven. And um, I found out shortly thereafter that it had left a small feather. Um, right there next to the fire pit that somebody had made yeah. so I was like wow okay this is this feathers for me this is wonderful yeah. I don't really know what this means but okay yeah. so then I was sitting there watching the ravens staring at them and they were looking at me like they were like make it like making eye contact I'd never experienced this with with any kind of bird much less a, such an intense big dark bird mm-hmm. looking right at me and they they were it the 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 <laughs> The notion that I got from the sounds they started making was that they were trying to talk to me, that they were like communicating at me or to me. And it was like a trilling sound, like a, like I can't even reproduce it, but I'll try. It's like a, it's kind of like that. Mm -hmm. And so I had goosebumps. I was a little freaked out, went back there, played some, uh, played some didgeridoo and, and then, um, had a, had a really beautiful experience where a family came through there and got to listen to the sounds I was making, and I shared some uh, some essential oils with a with a young man, probably a four year old kid, and he's like, "What is that?" And so I had this great experience wow. um, in that spot, and then ever since then, Raven's been very present, very very present. Right before, uh, I was about to go meet with the woman who's the mother of my soon to be child, yeah. and I was we weren't getting along at that time. We weren't even talking at that time. And, and she said she needed to meet with me. And I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't think that we should meet. We're not on good terms right now. And, and she was persistent. So I was like, all right, I don't know why, but I'm going to go meet up and say, 
goodbye. And um, I was meditating before I went over there in, in the city. You don't see ravens very much in the city, but as I'm meditating, a raven flies overhead and goes, does its little noise. And I was like, it, it was... <laughs> The raven flies overhead, and there's a full moon like on the horizon. I'm like, um, okay, so some some shit's about to go down, <laughs> and so I was even more nervous going to the spot to meet this woman, and I met up with her, and and that is when she um, said a soul has chosen us to be its parents, and she handed me a a picture of um an ultrasound photo, and and that's when I I knew I was like, oh. So this was recent. Yeah, this was um, um, end of April, maybe beginning of May. Wow. Yeah, that happened. Congratulations. So, thank you, thank you. Wow. So, so I got a baby boy due in December. Oh, mm-hmm. That's amazing. It is. Very, very interesting creature, the raven. <laughs> and <laughs> when it decides to show up, it's like yeah. not... It's not a joke. Yeah. Raven's there's, there's not messing around. In there. Yeah, there's yeah, there's yeah. something there. Yeah, for something sure. There. I mean, he is a messenger of spirit. He or she. I, I mean, sometimes I just refer to it as she. He. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah. Messenger of messenger of spirits. That brings me to one of my questions about um, that. So when you're working with the raven as medicine, what is it that you're connecting to, and how do you go about making that connection? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great question. So. As with all beings, you know, that we encounter in this plane of reality on Earth, anyway, you know, um, we have that physical aspect, you know, expression of it, and then there's the spiritual aspect too. So, you know, with Raven, Raven is this multi-dimensional being, right? And like. It's funny that you mentioned the way that it was looking at you because I feel that the eye too is really like sort of that portal um, that can really take us into those places if, if we're working with that energy. Yeah. But um, I connect with, you know, in so many ways. One of the primary ways is, is through shamanic journeying, you know, which is like inducing altered states of consciousness through drumming or rattling. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a method to doing that. It's okay. very easy to learn. Mm-hmm. Anybody can do it, really. Mm-hmm. It takes some practice, but that's about it, you yeah. know. And so when we journey, we can either go down into the lower realms, um, or typically it's usually the lower or the upper. There is a middle realm, but typically you don't really journey into that realm unless you have a very specific reason for doing so. The, the, into the middle realm, you said? The middle realm, which is this kind of more like this realm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so an example would be like if you're looking for somebody mm-hmm. or something that you lost, mm-hmm. you know, you might want to do that. But if you're, yeah, so but if you're really just looking to connect to your spirit guides and, and allies like the Raven, for example, you might journey to the lower realm, mm-hmm. the lower world. And um, yeah, so that's a really powerful way to do that. I've read a little bit about that, the, the different the, the lower, the middle and the upper mm-hmm. worlds and mm-hmm. that, that all the um, animal spirits are on that lower mm-hmm. plane. Yeah. yeah. So when you go to connect, you said you do some drumming and you, you do it intentionally a certain way. Mm-hmm. Are you able to describe that at all? Sure. Um, yeah, so briefly, you know, um, you basically, you know, bring to mind a place that has some kind of hole or opening that would literally lead you down into the earth, like an actual physical place that you've been to. Okay. So, and it can even be like a body of water. 
Okay. You know, or for me, I use like a hole at the base of a tree that I actually saw once in California. Yeah. Like it was the perfect entry point for me. I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, using the drumming, it's like a steady beat and you follow the sound of the drum. Basically, it carries you down. You put you know. all your attention on that sound. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's very intentional. Mm-hmm. And so you, you're, some people are very visual, so you can visualize yourself going down maybe a tunnel or something, you mm-hmm. know, literally going into the core of the earth. And um, you'll arrive at some place, like a natural scene, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe a forest or a mountain or wherever, you know, just, and your imagination is really kind of like the, what takes you there, you know? I think as adults, we really are, can be dismissive of the imagination yeah. and I was like childish or whatever, but yeah. you know, it's, it's, not gonna it's get so you paid powerful. <laughs> yeah. Unless it does. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and, it, but it really, it's, it's, it's a power that we have. It's a gift that we've been given and we, you know, the more we use it, the more, you know, magic happens in our lives, you mm-hmm. know, and in, in some cultures like African shamans believe that, there's nothing that we can't imagine that doesn't exist in some reality or dimension. Right, it, because if you're imagining it, it's existing. It's real in, that, in some in way. That space, yeah. Yeah, right, and that really resonates for me. Mm-hmm. You know, so anyhow, you know, once you're in that um, natural scape, you know, um, wherever it may be, uh, you you basically you can either specifically look to be connecting with an you know an animal that you know you're looking for or just open to receive a connection see whatever animal pops yeah, up yeah mm-hmm. and there might be several that show up but there's ways to kind of know that that's the animal for you like for example if you see four parts of its body oh like, interesting like you see the tail you see the hoof you see the the antlers or something yeah, like that yeah. you know it's very clear to you and you can ask it you know there's a lot of communication involved too you interact with the with the spirit and are you my power animal you mm-hmm. know and just straight up ask so this is a, a vivid use of the imagination for the purpose of self-reflection and connecting to the inner parts of you and what that whatever yeah. that is in a unique way yeah to connect to inner parts of us and also these power spirits that are here to help us mm-hmm. in some way yeah do you recognize these power spirits or these spirit animals as being separate from us as as individuals or as a collective um not necessarily separate because mm-hmm. we, we all come from the same <laughs> cosmic soup if you yes, will yes. <laughs> but um i guess different aspects too you know but it, you know yeah in some ways it's something that we connect to from the place of ourselves you know me but um, at the same time, it's like once you really make that, establish that connection, it really becomes a part of us. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, the way I think for me that the that the raven works most of the time is, like I said before, it has to do with the thoughts and what they're associated with. At the, it's, like, it's like thoughts and timing. And when the raven shows up, it's like, okay, well, it's kind of a symbol or a signal and as an archetype that I have built the raven to be an archetype in my own understanding based on my experiences and the things that have happened when it shows up and what it's what it relates to and um, so I guess for me when I decide to attempt to connect to that animal or spirit or guide or, or whatever it is for me um, I, I, I like it's like it's almost like I can open an 
app on my phone or like like select this folder it's like okay i open that folder and then everything i associate about the raven where i've been with it what it means to me what it's signified all of that kind of like floods into my awareness and my imagination and and then i can um kind of move from that space whether like um whether it's through music i'll i'll usually ask the the raven to be like hey guide my voice guide my Mm -hmm. whatever my sounds Mm -hmm. and um that's when i can kind of let go of my mental thoughts that are preventing me from actually expressing fully and then and then let all that move through the instruments or or what have you Mm -hmm. so yeah that's that's super fun um i wrote down some raven facts here that i thought were really interesting i've heard some of them before and some of them were new to me yeah um did you know that ravens are um mated pairs for life when they find a mate i have heard that and that's why you typically see them in pairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that's that way across the board. I I don't believe that they, um, once they mate, that that's it for life. They they're with that that other bird. Mm-hmm. And uh, whereas eagles, I believe, can choose to be paired for life, or they or they can choose to mate and then dip out. Mm. So interesting, huh? Yeah, <laughs> ravens are one of the smartest animals up there with dolphins and chimps. Yeah. Which is crazy because they they can learn like multiple step processes to learn to use tools and to um, to get out of to get out of cages and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They can also mimic just about any sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard I I read online actually that they can um, they can learn to talk human language better than parrots and and yeah. other birds like that. Yeah, and they'll sound like the person that they're imi- yeah. reflecting. Yeah, yeah. I've oh man. <laughs> There's some funny YouTube videos of ravens imitating different things. I've seen those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can recognize faces. Mm-hmm. They can remember p- people's faces from, uh, like, or they can remember other birds and other people for for at least three years. Mm. Um, yeah. They also can show empathy and mourning for, like, a loss loss of a loved one, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. The The bird that you brought, actually, uh, you brought in the raven that you found and, and uh, taxidermied. I don't know the right word for that, but that you cleaned and prepared. Um, and that one had a wingspan that's probably, like, two and a half feet or something. Yeah, close, yeah. I read online that they can get up to five feet five foot wingspan and i believe that because i've seen some tall ravens Mm -hmm. standing on the ground but Mm. you know they're they're massive actually that makes sense because sometimes when i'm seeing them fly up in the sky like they look massive yeah Mm -hmm. almost like i think it's an eagle but it's 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 a raven i've confused the uh the turkey vulture for raven a couple times because those things are even bigger yeah um the there's a f- okay, so everybody's heard the, the phrase a murder of crows, right? That's like a group of crows. Do you know what a uh, flock of ravens is called? I don't. Enlighten me. <laughs> this is the one that I learned recently that I was stoked about. So for ravens, it's called an unkindness. <laughs> really? Yeah, if there's a flock of ravens, it's an, it's an unkindness of ravens. Like, yeah, you see a, came about. a murder of crows, mostly because they're mythically for a lot of cultures they've been seen as like like bringing negative omens yeah. like a bad Death. sign because they mm-hmm. they eat the dead yeah right so you know another way to look at that is that they're they're cleansing yeah. the earth they're they're eating all that that yeah. bacteria from a dead animal or whatever and guiding that transition guiding that transition of the spirit of mm-hmm. that creature exactly and um yeah so that's probably where that came from the the other word that 
that they use for a flock of ravens is called a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy <laughs> of ravens. That means there's a group That's of them. Awesome. I love it. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, That's so fitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else we got here? Does Raven ever not show up when you call or when you go there? Not not yet you know your story actually reminded me one of one that i experienced camping i went out camping by myself and i was trying to find that perfect spot i was out in the payson area and i actually called you know i was like i called to the raven and i said you know will you help me find the perfect place and I, I didn't expect anything necessarily but these ravens showed up and like you know i followed them and they landed right in this empty camp spot <laughs> i just pulled in i was like and they left me a feather it was and i was like okay thank you you know asking you shall receive yeah right? nice yeah. that's beautiful it's powerful and i love the way that they also show up in, in unexpected ways too like i have this medicine sister who's um also deeply connected to this medicine and she's you know been going walk, walking out in the forest throughout this whole period you know of, of craziness that we've been in and picking up and finding raven feathers has kind of been her solace you mm. know and um, she's just has this massive collection and I uh, created some smudge fans for her mm. out of that and so um, you know it's it's like even just something like that was like strengthening this bond of sisterhood mm -hmm. so the medicine just bringing things together in a beautiful way, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, helping to connect the right people at mm -hmm. the right times yeah. during the, the times of crisis, it yeah. seems. Mm -hmm. Bring in, that, um, bring in that, yeah. that style of healing that's needed. Right, right. And so this is like the perfect time to start exploring this type of work, you know, mm. and, and who are my allies, you know, yeah. both on this plane and beyond, and mm. there's so many. So, what? How would you describe like the random the random person is not going to be like oh i see a raven it's magic or it's it's healing or it's uh it's this power animal how would you explain to somebody who's never heard any of this stuff like how the raven helps to heal mm -hmm. or what that means yeah that's a great question i mean i think a lot of it involves um people opening their minds and perceptions to things beyond the seen and the known and so you have to have a curiosity to start yeah uh -huh. yeah and maybe you can drop some seeds in there around that you know and, and th maybe that will help spark that curiosity more mm -hmm. you know and and it's not for everyone either i guess you know and i honor that too so it's like so it's a pretty individualized yeah. kind of exposure yeah, yeah i would say so right and, on. and they, they really come to us i feel too most times you know um right on their experience like yours yes indeed uh there's a couple times i've seen uh ra raven precede people when i'm sitting in nature and i'm near a path or a, a wash or something this one this time i was on a hilltop next to a wash mm -hmm. and um i believe three times uh there was a raven or two, depending on how many people there were. Mm -hmm. One raven preceded um, a guy on a quad by about two minutes. And then uh, there was another uh, three ravens, I believe, that by two minutes preceded a small group of people on dirt bikes. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just really incredible that it's 
it's like, hey, dude, there's someone coming. Mm. And it, that's the message that I understood when I first saw it fly by. I was like, huh, I think somebody's going to be coming. And then sure as shit, two minutes later, <laughs> here they come. Right. So. Yeah. And something that struck me, too, as you're saying that is like that they bring a lot of protection. Protection. How mm. so? Um, well, like obviously that, that example, they're kind of like, Hey, heads up. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe they're also protecting those people like, you know, in some way. Interesting. So, um, like unseen ways. Yeah. You know, like, like spiritual protection too Mm -hmm. and physical, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, so this is what I mean by, you know, we always have these guides and spirits and allies around us at all times, whether we're aware of it or we acknowledge it or not. Mm -hmm. But you know, the ones that are here to help us and heal us are ones that are also like protecting us from things, bad things happening sometimes, you know, we don't even realize it, Yeah. you know, and maybe they're guiding us in another direction. And, uh, yeah, sometimes it saves lives even. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if there's a if there's an animal or a spirit guide you connect to, trust it. Yeah, yeah. A... And and that goes for angels as well. If, if mm. people, you know, are open to that kind of thing, then yeah, you know, and we can call on that. Do you work with any other uh, animal guides or animal spirits mm-hmm. um, as specifically as you do with Raven? Yeah, several, several. Um, what are those? Well, my spiritual name is Beja Flor. Beja Flor. Mm-hmm. So Flor is flower. Mm-hmm. Beja, I don't know. It's like Besar in Spanish. But, oh, flower but, kiss. Yeah, which is the... Mm. Oh, well, bees? <laughs> no, close. Hummingbirds. Hummingbirds, okay. <laughs> so it's Portuguese. Um, <laughs> Portuguese, okay. Yeah, yeah, which literally translates to kiss the flower. But um, Kiss the flower is yeah. the Portuguese. So is that the phrase in Portuguese or does that mean hummingbird? That means hummingbird. And, oh, so, yeah, but so the literal the, translation uh, of the words. That is cool. That yeah. is super cool. Yeah. Right on. So you so, work with hummingbird. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, that is a major medicine for me. And, and in the medicine work, you know, ayahuasca, if you go to the jungle and work with the plants, like the hummingbird and the jaguar, are like given as yeah. well as a serpent you know the cosmic mm. serpent the, the anaconda yes so i mean those are <laughs> just kind of yeah like i said a given <laughs> yeah but that... for me the hummingbird spirit connection is super strong right on mm-hmm. uh, yeah and they're and they're small but very fierce and mighty so. and as far as calling in that animal you kind of do that in a similar way as you would with the raven mm-hmm. or, or really any any animals yeah spirit again like a lot of shamanic work is is all through intention Mm-hmm. You know, and so from the heart and from the soul, it's the intention to connect and calling that in. Yeah. And it's something that I also feel is always with me, you know, in a sense, but um, in a more formal sense of like setting up ceremonial space and structure. And yeah. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, and then you keep putting out that intention, you feel the reverb of it situationally in ways that mm-hmm. probably couldn't describe. Exactly. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's just such a powerful force and behind those spirits of this, those animals that we're working with. Yeah. Right? That it, it's um, just like with the plants, you know, like ayahuasca is this vine, but when you step into the consciousness of that plant, it's, it's like way beyond yeah. anything. Yeah. It has a much different intelligence than mm-hmm. we would think. Yeah. Ravens are also the largest songbird in America. Hmm. And they like songbird as in they just they sing for fun. Um, well, I mean they sing. So among the birds that sing, I mean I guess all birds sing. <laughs> they but sing you for know. fun. Yeah, they sing for <laughs> for pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we get choirs. You know. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Largest songbird. Yeah. Cool. And there's this story. I don't know if you've heard it. 
um, this Native American myth around um, that they used to be a snow white, pure snow white color. Hmm. And, um, and is it a Native American myth? Yeah. Do you know what uh, tribe or region it's from? I don't. Okay. Um, but also that they had like the most beautiful, haunting voice, you yeah. know, that you could imagine. And um, they sacrificed it all for man, basically, when um, the raven brought fire to man on a, on, a, on a stick, you know. And so he carried the stick in, in its mouth. And in that process, the, the smoke and the soot made its feathers all black. And the smoke made its voice very hoarse and you know, that caw, you yeah. know. And then it blistered its legs and feet. And so now the raven looks the way it does, you know. Um, and, and also it serves as a powerful light for those in darkness. So the symbolism, you know, because that there, you know, there is this, this association with raven and darkness, mm-hmm. but it's not a bad thing necessarily. You know? Depends on who you ask. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm there with you, of mm-hmm. course. I don't think that the raven is, is a negative thing at all, but mm-hmm. uh, I haven't heard that, that version of that uh, legend or myth or origin story, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a really cool one. I like that a lot. Um, I went to spend some time with Navajo people on Navajo land for teepee ceremonies. Mm. And in their teepee ceremonies, they use eagle feathers, real eagle feathers. And eagle feathers are actually unlawful to um, to own or to carry unless you are uh, a Native American. Yeah. And um, I had some feathers at home, and I was in, in my... Uh, when I went to this uh, teepee ceremony, I had been, you know, kind of steeped in in my practice, my spiritual practice. So I had my feathers and all that stuff. And, and I asked the, the gentleman who was kind of the liaison between, uh, me and the people that I was with and the native American people. Um, uh, I asked him, Hey, Hey, can I, uh, can I bring my feathers in? And he says, what uh, are the Eagle feathers? I said, no. He said, no, you can't. I said, okay. Uh, he asked what kind of feathers they were. I told him that they're raven feathers. And he said, you better leave those in your car, buddy, or the Navajo are going to have some real issues mm. with with you bringing that here because they see it as, as as darkness and as evil, and you're bringing in evil things into their sacred ceremonial space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. that, I thought that was pretty pretty fascinating that they, yeah. they take it really seriously up there on the Navajo land. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times with owl, same thing too. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they actually mentioned that. They, he said that that was the other one that they, yeah. they're not a fan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I've seen I've seen some pretty big owls mm-hmm. before. Yeah. So you brought me this raven feather as a gift. Thank you very much for this. You're welcome. I have actually had um this would be my third raven feather. The uh, first one that I had found in that story I actually uh gave to uh a friend of mine. I felt called to give that to her as she was in uh, moving into her practices with with yoga and some other things. Mm-hmm. And um, I, the other one, I don't know what happened to it, but I do remember it got smashed and destroyed to the point where I was just like, oh, I have to get rid of this. Mm. I can't, it's, it doesn't even look like a feather anymore. <laughs> so um, so this is really beautiful and really wonderful. It's, it's a good looking feather. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, that one really called out for, for you. Where did you find that? Um, it's part of a collection that I was gifted um, from my feather You're, friend. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So it came from California up oh, um, right on. in uh, what's that area? Half Moon Bay. Half Moon Bay. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Did you say that you play the didgeridoo? I do. You do. Mm-hmm. Did you bring it with you? I didn't. Okay. I wasn't sure. Um, yeah. What what, uh, what is your didgeridoo made of? Yucca. Yucca. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen a yucca one. It, I knew it's they made more them. like a Mayan trumpet than like your type of eucalyptus. Did you is yours eucalyptus? This one's eucalyptus, yeah. and the one behind you is agave. Okay. Yeah, those are the more traditional styles for sure. This one is um was made by this guy up from California. He harvests the wood and does all this beautiful work, and he embeds the inside of it with crystals. And yeah. Yeah, it's a really beautiful piece. Um, but it's it's yeah, I guess technically they would call that one a Mayan trumpet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. I have not seen one of those. Amazing sound. Yeah. So, when you say shadow work, what is it? What is it that that means to you? Because you mentioned that a couple times. Of well, we're going to go into a session and do some shadow work, mm-hmm. and that of course to me means working with the 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 dark side or the quote negative aspects of the self, and um, trying to make them better. Or is what is that to you? Um, that can be part of it. You know, there's a lot of transmutation of energies. Um, that is, is really the core of that work. Mm-hmm. And what, um, is, what does it mean to transmute an energy? Well, so like, you know, in, in actual alchemy, you know, it's like you transmute base metals into gold. Mm-hmm. And, and is, that spiritual real, is that a real thing? Yeah, yeah. Alchemy, you can actually transmute base metals into gold. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. But then on the Glad spiritual level, mm-hmm. like we're transmuting these darker, heavy, negative type energies into light like you can take take some feeling of guilt and turn it into relief like that yeah yeah okay yeah or you know it's like how can how can i use this energy in a way that's now going to serve my highest good and for those around me as well Mm -hmm. you know in that sense okay okay so this is as individualized and specific as anything else dealing with self-work yeah yeah and the the thing too to remember is that shadow does refer to like those hidden perhaps darker aspects um but there is something that jung who's the one that coined the term shadow work also refers to as the golden shadow Hmm. so there's like these you know it's everything within us in our subconscious unconscious that you know also includes our gifts and power you know and beauty and all of that that gets lost sometimes you know um, especially in early childhood Mm -hmm. those things kind of go into hiding you know or we just gets pushed under the rug and we don't access it until we consciously go in and and kind of retrieve the you know those parts of ourselves so it's not all dark you know and it's not all negative necessarily you know there's inner child healing is a major aspect of shadow work Mm -hmm. and and with the inner child too it's not always going to be love and light either because Um, children are like sponges they absorb everything you know and if we're in environments that are toxic or unhealthy then we're going to take some of that on as well unfortunately you know Um, but that's part of the healing journey is to decondition and unravel those programs that have been installed in us from a young age Mm -hmm. and come back to our authentic true self yeah so so the a visual for the healing journey as in in general if you're you're born you're a baby you're a sponge so you're absorbing everything that's around you. If that person is, is angry and they're expressing it, you feel that and you can absorb it. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, even now, even as, as adults, that's possible. That's that's what I'm getting to. So yeah. so you absorb it as a, as a child. And, mm-hmm. and if you've ever tried to soak a sponge in water and get, you know, it, it, there's a maximum amount of water that the sponge can hold. Mm. 
and so that sponge needs to be wrung out before you can continue to perceive those those other energies yeah. Yeah. so it all gets kind of built up and soaked up until there's a maximum point where you start to kind of not be able to perceive as sensitively as you could before because that sponge is full mm-hmm. so some of this medicine work the the ayahuasca ceremonies the medicine journeys all of it is kind of like a wringing out of that sponge mm-hmm. and getting rid of those those stored up that water that's you know not water that's yeah yeah that's a great analogy and you know just all of those um, energetic imprints the conditioning, the the repressed or the built up emotions, right? All of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and she can certainly help us to release um, and teach us too how to like do that for ourselves, you know, on a regular basis. I mean, that's that's really I feel the gift of the, of the medicines, right? Like that they empower us to be able to learn how to do these things for ourselves. Yeah, not that to we... to recognize when you're absorbing an energy yes. that maybe not isn't yours, and then okay, let it let it go or transmute it into mm-hmm. something usable or beneficial for those around you. Yeah, definitely to grow our understanding and awareness of those things. Right on. Well, um, before we uh, drop into some more music to close this out, is there anything else you want to share with me or anyone? that may be listening or um, maybe uh, you said you had a website or social media, anything like sure, that? Sure, yeah. Um, just got this website going and uh, it's called Sacred Soul Medicine. So sacredsoulmedicine.com. Mm-hmm. It has a list of, you know, the offerings that I, I, you know, share with the community in terms of healing work. And just, you know, um, if you sign up for my email list, you'll get notified of any upcoming like healing retreats and events um and i have a blog on there that's being developed as well so yeah just subscribe and sign up and love to have you know just more people come to this work you know for me it's really just about spreading this the messages and and the healing of the plants right on Mm -hmm. thank you so much thank you it's been great If you want more information about Sylvia, you can visit sacredsoulmedicine.com. In conclusion, 
last week's self-love challenge, or I guess last podcast, last podcast self-love challenge was to create a budget for myself and to implement my new schedule that I created. First, first self-love challenge was to create the schedule, <laughs> and uh, second was to implement it and create a budget. Implementing it has not gone as I intended. I am getting so much more done, and I, I have so much extra time, um, but my initial intent was to set timers and have very specific timelines, time like 9.30 to 10, I will journal, but that is not fitting as I thought it would. I'm still getting everything done I needed to and more, so that's a blessing. Um, so this next week, I'll focus more on uh, getting those times really, really down. Like at 10 o'clock, I start this or whatever. And then um, building a budget, building a budget I did not do. I failed myself in this way with my financial energy. I need to make a budget, including a savings plan, and go from there. I guess that's it. Coming soon. Well, um, I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful day and week. Many blessings, and I will talk to you in the future. I'm Andrew Powell, and this was the Allcast.